I, you know, used to pray every day and fast and I've been to Mecca, I was very, very much in the closet. I was had a lot of shame around my sexuality. And I really didn't even know I was gay until I was in my late 20s because I was so in denial. There were so many walls and veils. Um, so that was really hard to get past. But once I got past that, I think I realized I was like, if there were only five queer people in the world that were Muslim, I'd be like, okay, there was, there, this is like an abnormality. But when there are millions of people who are queer, I think God doesn't make mistakes. You know, God creates 55 different species of geckos. I don't think he's going to make a mistake when it comes to humanity. So, do you think that it makes sense when people do decide, you know what, if, if Islam says that being gay is wrong, then maybe I'm not Muslim. Is that a, does that make sense to you in your mind? Is that a, is that a rational thought process? Married and, you know, she looked at me and she, she told her boyfriend, she's like, do you think the people that are saying hello to you at the, at the end of Eid prayer, like hugging you, like if they knew you were queer, would they have a problem? And I honestly looked at her and I said, it doesn't matter here. Like I'm here to pray and say Eid Mubarak. Do you feel though that some people in the LGBTQ community, um, or they, they still sort of use their privilege in a way that is not honorable to BLM? Do you consider yourself still practicing? That's a good question. I get this question a lot. I think practicing for certain Muslims, it's different, it looks different. So I think it, for me, I see myself as culturally Muslim. Okay. I go to Eid prayer and right. I don't pray, but like I always say I'm the, if the plane is going down, I'm praying to Allah, right? Yes. Like I always, that's my joke. So I, I believe in God and I think in moments when I do need strength, I definitely go to God. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't pray three times a day or five times a day. I don't observe Ramadan. But again, I respect all of those things. So I think I'm more culturally Muslim. Allah is forgiving, but our ummah is not. Allah is mm -hmm. all seeing, but our ummah is not. Allah is always mm -hmm. a friend, but our ummah is not. And Allah mm -hmm. is always kind, but our ummah is not always kind. Allah mm -hmm. is the ultimate guide in our lives, but not our ummah. And Allah is the creator, but not our ummah. And there's 93 more reasons why Allah makes anyone who wants to judge you less than irrelevant in this conversation. Allah makes no mistakes and loves all of his believers, including the man that leaves from Jummah back to his corner store where he sells tobacco and alcohol, and it's one of his best sellers and he makes the most profit from. Or the hijabi who texts pictures of her hair to her boyfriend whom she plans on marrying anyway. Or the young brother who smokes weed, drinks parties with non-Muslim girls and guys, but can harshly discipline his sister for doing the exact same thing, or even thinking hmm. of doing the same thing. None of us are perfect, but thank God that God is. And Nikat and Chill is a Haram police free zone. Because remember, the only thing that makes a Muslim a believer is to bear witness that Allah is God and that the Prophet, peace be upon him, is the messenger. A Muslim is not defined by his or her sin or else we'd all be non-Muslims. Allah, yep. yep, Allah is the all-knowing and he knows damn well that all of our hands are dirty. So... If you're on the side of the Ummah that doesn't point fingers with dirty hands, keep watching. That was my intro. I had to make it clear. The people that I interview are gonna are real, real Muslims. They're modern day, real Muslims, not the Muslim that you put on when you go to the Juma. And it's okay to be culturally Muslim because God knows your heart. When the shit hits the fan or when the when the plane starts coming down, like you know who you're praying to. 
you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's also a double standard, I think, with Christians and, and the Jewish faith. I have friends that are, you know, Christian and Jews, and they get like a pass. It's kind of like they're allowed to, you know, smoke weed or, or party, and it's not like your religion taken from you. But there's this double standard with Muslims where if you don't pray every day and you don't fast, you're not a Muslim. It's like so cut and dry. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel like that's not fair. What about like, and that's what I love about the show Rami is yeah. that it shows a Muslim in different iterations. Like, you can make mistakes. I mean, the only person that's infallible is the prophet. So why are Muslims holding each other to these unattainable standards? It's just not fair. Well, by the way, guys, if you haven't noticed already, today I am joined with social media personality and influencer, Amir. Yes, it's yes, I. But I love yeah. that, you, that, that we cut it ashore and made it yes. He is not only known for speaking his mind, but speaking up for what he believes in. And although he has spoken up for Black Lives Matter, women's rights, and even gender equality, his work to spread love and positivity all comes crashing down when some find out that he's Muslim, that he's a Muslim speaking up about gays. Amir is a gay Muslim. That's right. He's gay and still Muslim. Why is it hard for people to believe that you can be Muslim, Christian, and still gay? Scholars even say that gays and lesbians are only haram when they act on the thought of, attract of attractiveness to the same sex. So why people act like they automatically know what you're doing on your free time is just, it blows my mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, wh why do you think uh, that is? Why do you think that they seem to respect you and love you and love everything that you represent, but as soon as you say that you love God as Allah, but you also were born attracted to men, why is it, why does it, why do you feel like it just cancels everything out? That's a great question. I think it's something that I've struggled with my entire life being like, well, there's something wrong with me. And I, you know, used to pray every day and fast and I've been to Mecca. I was very, very much in the closet. I was had a lot of shame around my sexuality. And I really didn't even know I was gay until I was in my late twenties because I was so in denial. There were so many walls and veils. Um, so that was really hard to get past. But once I got past that, I think I realized I was like, if there were only five queer people in the world that were Muslim, I'd be like, okay, there was, there, this is like an abnormality. But when there are millions of people who are queer, I think God doesn't make mistakes. You know, God creates 55 different species of geckos. I don't think he's going to make a mistake when it comes to humanity. So I think it's important to, to realize that. And I, I think it's important to also have humor. I have a lot of humor. I get death threats, people, you know, wanting to kill me, slit my throat, telling me to kill myself. I'm disgusting. But I also, on the flip side, get messages from Afghanistan and Iran of people that are still in the closet and looking to me for an inspiration. There's not a lot of us that are guzlam, I like to say, gay Muslim. Yeah. And, you know, Blair Imani is another, you know, person of color. She's a queer woman. She gets even more hate than I do. I mean, it's, it's just, and it's funny because it's coming from these Muslims who love God and love humanity. And you're telling a woman that she should be raped because she's queer. That's to me so much worse than what they think we're doing, right? Like if you're, if you're judging us and telling us we're going to hell, how can you say that you wish that a woman got raped because she's queer? I mean, that's, how is that Islam? <laughs> Mind. Blows my mind. The fact that you would even get death threats because of what you may or may not do on your free time. They don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't know they what don't know me. Yeah. They don't know me. You're not paying my rent. You don't know me. 
Yeah. You know? and, and you have to be such, I mean, I told you one of my best friends is gay. He's a, he's a guy mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. he's actually a devout Muslim. Like he's very, he practices really a lot, but he's very comfortable in the skin he's in. And when I tell you the amount of strength that you guys have to have, because I'm sure there's so many, like me, I'm a very, very happy person, but it would change my personality to get death threats. I might walk around a lot more angry a lot more even Mm -hmm. possibly at god like why would you why would you let this happen to me i mean what what about your upbringing and family i know it may have been hard for them at some point as well absolutely um you know i want to address what you said about anger because i think a lot of people don't talk about that part of coming out a lot of times we see a very white kind of Christian coming out story, right? They come out, their family throws them a party, and then they're in, you know, a crop top the next weekend. It's it's very, very linear. And I think for a lot of Muslim people and Middle Eastern people and pretty much anyone that's not white, it's a very different experience. So I think it's important that I also touch upon that. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of frustration. I, I was very frustrated that people saw me hurting and never came and said, hello, like, what's going on? Like, why are you suicidal? Why are you depressed? You know, whatever, like no one ever, and that I had to carry that resentment around. Um, and I think that it's, I always say in the Middle Eastern community, denial pairs best with hummus, right? Like there's so much denial in our communities. Like there's so many rosy colored glasses and my parents, you know, they had those on, you know, my mom wore a headscarf and you know, when I told her it was very, very hard for her. And, you know, she, we didn't talk for about five or six months and, and, you know, we did a group therapy. Like, I think it's important to also, I, I'm not trying to defend if your family says something derogatory. And, you know, my family said things that, you know, you're going to get HIV and die. You, you know, you're, why can't you be more like Ellen or Anderson Cooper and just shut your mouth? Or there was a lot of those kind of comments, but I think you have to understand it took me 30 years to, to come out. Right. You have to give your family a little more time. Sometimes we want that initial, right? Like I love you and support you, but it's hard to get there. And you know, it, it's hard because it's like, Sometimes people will give you support, but then they're like, okay, I support you, but I don't like when you wear makeup or, or a wig or, or nail polish or whatever. Like they'll give you that support and then they'll kind of reject it. And that can be really hard. And I actually had a really great conversation with my sister and she's, you know, very devout. And she was like, cause I was like, I'm getting a lot of hate because I wrote, you know, I'm a gay Muslim on my Instagram. And she's like, do you believe you are? Like, do you believe you're Muslim? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, I love God and I, I respect the religion. She doesn't leave it. Like, don't delete it because a bunch of backwards people are telling you to delete it. Delete it if you want to, but also leave it there if you want to. And I think that was a very nice conversation. Do you think that it makes sense when people do decide, you know what, if if Islam says that being gay is wrong, then maybe I'm not Muslim? Is that a, does that make sense to you in your mind? Is that a, is that a rational thought process? Well, for, for Muslims listening and Christians, I'm sure you've heard the story of loot or Sodom and Gomorrah, right? That's a story that everyone throws out. And, and I heard that from my family as well. That story is misconstrued as well. A lot of the people in that town were rapists and murderers. If you're queer, if you're not raping and murdering people and you're living your own life and not hurting anyone, I don't think it's the same as loot or Sodom and Gomorrah. So I think it's important to differentiate those things. And it's important to have your facts. When you're going to come out, to have your facts, to know what you feel before you come out. Because I think a lot of people come out and they're like, they want someone else to tell them how to feel. They want their family or their aunt or their uncle to tell them how they feel. And people don't know how to deal with it, especially if they've never met a queer person. They know you're going to hell if you're like that, whatever. So there is a lot of those. It's important to understand that. And I think, yeah, I do. I, I definitely was angry at God. I was like, why would you make me like this and make my life harder? Like, 
I remember one of my cousins was like, I wish my son was gay. And I, I remember I had to stop him and be like, being gay is hard. It's not like a party. It's not shopping and fancy parties and queer eye. It's a lot. Your life is harder. I'm in a, I'm in a beautiful place. Yeah, I have yeah. an amazing platform. I, I'm happy. I help people. I, you know, I hosted, you know, live panels. I'm in California though. I know that girl. Like I get that. If I was born in, I lived in Iran for two years when I was a kid. If I happened to stay there, I, it would have been a very different story for me. So I think it's it's understanding your privilege and also understanding like God is like, like you said, he's not a friend. He's everything. He will be there. Like he will wait for you. A friend might not wait for you. Like you don't call your friends for a couple months. Like they don't care anymore. But God, like you can turn your back on God for 50 years. And on that 51st year, turn around and be like, I love you. And he's there. That's the beauty of God. And, and for a lot of people that are like, I don't believe in God or how can you believe what's the proof? I'm like, step outside and realize that you're on a spinning rock in the middle of the universe. I mean, that alone should make you believe in something, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and speaking of, you know, just being in a place like California where we're so supportive of LGBT for the most part, and um, mm -hmm. also Black Lives Matter, I've, I've learned that gay people understand discrimination more than anyone else. And I think that's why you guys are so vocal about um, being, uh, about equality and uh, killing killing that sort of discrimination type of uh, culture that we have in America. Um, do you feel though that some people in the LGBTQ community, um, or they, they still sort of use their privilege in a way that is not honorable to BLM? Oh my God, I've been waiting. I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to get this question because I talk about this topic a lot. Oh. And I think a lot, I got so much hate from the gay community, specifically the white gay community. Um, when I mentioned this stuff a couple years ago, I talked about white gay privilege and a lot of people were very upset at me. They said, we're gay, we're discriminated, we don't have privilege. But what I, I think it's important to impress upon someone who is white, a white man, a white man, whether you're straight, gay, bi, doesn't matter. In this country, you have privilege. I always say three, I ask three questions. Have you ever gotten, have you gotten every apartment you applied for? Did you get every job you applied for? Did you get every man, woman, however you identify person that you were attracted to? And all of those answers are always yes. And it has nothing to do, a lot of people will say, well, I grew up in a trailer park. I didn't have money. I don't have privilege. Financial privilege is different than privilege of skin color. And I think what, I, I listen, I'm white passing, but I'm Persian. The minute people see my name, Amir Hassan, they they don't want to deal with me they yeah. they see a beard they don't want to deal with me they hear that i'm queer i've been in meetings in pitch meetings and people thought i was an assistant because i'm gay and they're like oh he's silly there is there is, that is always going to follow you around and i think within the gay community even now even after blm there's so many if you go on grinder which is a dating app or any of the tinders people will say no blacks no asians no femmes no middle eastern people will write that people will say that people and so many times i've had men say this to my face say wow, you're so different. You go against the grain. You're attracted to black men. What? What grain are you talking about? And that's the, that's the thing within the gay community that's just fr very frustrating because there is this idea that because you're gay, you understand what it's like to be black in this country. You're never going to understand. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, your sexuality might not come up, but your skin color enters the room 20 minutes before you do. <laughs> so, you know, my Middle Easternist during 9-11 showed up in the room in Orange County in a high school 15 minutes before I did. I remember walking to the gymnasium the day of 9-11, literally an entire 250 person room looked at me and asked me if I knew what happened. 
I was 15 years old, living in Orange County. And then they continued to ask me if I knew Saddam Hussein, if I knew Osama bin Laden. I mean, the question, and, and these people were not, they were not people that were trying. These are people that just believed genuinely that because I was Muslim, I knew who those terrorists were. It was not a, it was not a calculated racist, I'm going to make him feel bad. It was a genuine, do you know what's going on? And remember, this is also 2001. So I'm not saying, I'm not giving an excuse, but I'm saying you have to look at the media at the time and how things have come so far, but we have so much more work to do. And if I hear another gay person say, oh my God, BLM ruined pride, I'm going to lose my mind. Because Marsha P. Johnson was a queer person of color. Sylvia Rivera was a queer person of color that both started Stonewall, that started the, and they were both trans people of color, that started the gay pride movement. Without them, there would be nothing. So for all you white, buff, gay guys that are out there complaining about how BLM ruined pride, first of all, we were in a pandemic, aside from that. But the idea that BLM ruined pride, you don't know anything about the history because without people of color, there would be no pride. You would still be in a closet somewhere in Minnesota, honey, not married, not dancing around listening to Lady Gaga. You know, that, and I don't say this to be rude or to, to call out white, you know, cisgendered gay men, but they need to be called out. Yeah. You know what I mean? They need to be called out and they need to be held accountable because they do have more privilege. And the way that they treat other people in the community is disgusting and it does bear um, mentioning. Let's be, let's be honest and not just ignore this. Let's not ignore this side. Let's talk about it and let's bring our own like experiences into it. I'm black. I can't, you know, whiten myself up in a room. I can try my best. I can straighten my hair. I can talk proper. But as a white gay man you can straighten up a little bit and get that interview you know you can you can disguise we can't disguise so um Mm -hmm. it's a real thing that a lot of people don't realize it's too too far in the subconscious that we have to hopefully um bring it to the forefront we also have to stop doing trauma comparison i think there's a lot of trauma comparison that happens between people of color and queer people and all across the board right trauma is trauma you know what i mean like stop saying Oh, I had trauma, so I understand what it's like to be black. I'm black, so I understand what it's like to be Muslim. Don't like, you don't need to like cross the boards of trauma. Like if someone has trauma, like I'm never going to understand what it's like to be Asian American in this country during a pandemic. You know, that's from my friend in in New York said that people would spit on her during this pandemic. As soon as it began, you could see Asians feeling like, Am I a little too close to this person? Am I standing a little? Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen the different, even in California, you know, I've seen the different of energy of like, yeah, the, yes. their reality. And they're not, they're not very vocal. They're not a very vocal type of community. They're not going to speak up. No. So we, no. we never probably know the amount of things that went, ha- happened. And the fact that you said that you actually know someone personally who got spit on, yes. it's disgusting. The secrets they they can kill us we have to talk about these things but yes, yes you're right yes. i love that you said let's not compare traumas let's just talk about mm-hmm. them because everyone trauma yeah. is trauma and absolutely and it, yeah and it actually brings me to my next point um how you know you've been through a lot you i mean coming out at 30 alone like coming out in your late 20s alone is, is a lot yeah. how is your yeah. current lifestyle because you're still you know it means it's only been a couple of years i'm guessing and balancing religion. Yeah. I, I think I, I got like a fast track because I came out when I was in business school and I was kind of away from my parents and I was doing my own thing. And I think it, it helped me to create a little bit of healthy distance. I think a lot of 
Middle Eastern culture is very tribe mentality. You know, a lot of Muslim culture is tribe mentality. So this idea of individuation and separating yourself is kind of frowned upon. So the fact that I was able to do that, I was able to process, I was able to kind of live in my body, in my new skin, um, yeah. was really helpful. I also started doing stand-up, which helped a lot because I was able to quickly process my trauma in kind of sound bites, in jokes, in and, and as I did more and more shows, the trauma seemed more and more funny. I know it sounds kind of irreverent or flippant, but my trauma almost seemed humorous. I was like, you know, like a, a great example is like when I came out, you know, I was telling my mom like dolphins are gay and like, and like talking about the animal kingdom. I mean, some of that stuff is very humorous. Like that I was like, that was like my point of reason. I don't know. Like, so some of the stuff looking back on my trauma can be kind of humorous, but yeah, it, it it's, I mean, my lifestyle is very adjusted. I mean, it, I came out um, about a year and a half ago and then pandemic hit and I moved back in and my parents have been really lovely. Again, it's the pink elephant in the room. We don't really talk about it. We don't really discuss it. It's there. Um, we know it's there and my parents don't try to set me up or, you know, talk about women and stuff, but like, it's always going to be something that in their eyes might hold yeah. me back. Yeah. But it's funny because I spent my life kind of without purpose and, and mashallah, my parents had a lot of, they were very successful and my dad worked very hard and I always had what I needed. And I, would walk around life kind of purposeless until I came out and all of a sudden like bang I'm getting all these messages and I'm a voice of reason and people want to hear from me and I I've never really been seen in my life until my Instagram and my TikTok and people are like I didn't know that like I didn't know that like you could have these opinions and you could still walk around the world and take up space and have less shame and all of that stuff so that's been kind of amazing and, and that's the good side of social media listen I get a lot of hate um, I get people telling me to like I said, kill myself, whatever. But on the flip side, there's a lot of love. And there's a lot of people that say, I wake up and look forward to a video from you or whatever. So I think that makes it easier. Oh, you have, you guys, if you haven't looked at his TikTok and his Instagram, you guys must go over and check it out. <laughs> your brand is really great. And the way that you express your views, I, I one of my favorite ones is the, the one that I uh, messaged you about with all of the little comments around you. And then you showing... Mm -hmm transition of what those comments what you've decided to allow to be in your space and in your energy yeah it's it's a beautiful thing and we can all relate to that that's the thing is that we're we're more alike than we are different as people yes um, yes absolutely and I, I think it's really important that i quickly mention because a lot of people might see my instagram and might see that and be like he makes it look easy right i i, I have a an effortlessness yes. of, of walking through life but it's not it's it's practiced it's it's rehearsed yes. uh, body positivity loving yourself does not happen overnight if i see another post saying love your body tell yourself you love yourself it's so phony it takes yeah. time it i have days where i don't love my body i don't love who i am i'm pissed off about and you have to have all those feelings and like the other day i got a message um and someone said you know your parents are ashamed, ashamed of you and you know it. And it made me cry. And it's a stranger because that day I was emotional and, and it hit me in the wrong way. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm a human being and it, it's okay. And then I got a message. I got a message this morning. You have a voice for radio, which is someone saying you're unattractive. And I was just like, thanks a lot. That, that doesn't affect me that today. Wow. You have to have your feelings when you have them. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. Before we get into my game, finish the sentence. I wanted to ask, mm -hmm. is there any um, advice you'd love to give to gay Muslims in the closet who are not sure how to deal with this transition or if they should transition? Just what's your best advice for a gay Muslim? Great question. Um, I, so 
when it comes to coming out, it's coming out as like a snowflake. Every snowflake is different. Every coming out story is going to be different. So if you're watching shows like The O'Neills or Love, Simon, and you're thinking you're going to have this like love affair and your parents are going to cry and then accept it and you're going to be on the Ferris wheel, that's not real life. And I, I'm not saying this to be, and that might be your story, but I think for a lot of people that I speak to, and I've spoken to hundreds of people now, and I, my own story and the people that I know around me story, it when it comes to Muslim people, it's really hard. I have a friend who literally got an arranged marriage, like had to get divorced, then became a doctor just to hide his sexuality. There's so much pressure. So I think it's come out when you're ready. And if it's, listen, someone came out a couple weeks ago who was 90 years old. If you have to wait that long to come out, then you do that. Or if you never want to come out, that's fine too. You're not a bad, like there's idea within the queer community and the media that everyone has to come out. And I had a lot of people tell me, just come out. But people are not going to be there to pick up the pieces. So if you do come out and your family just owns you at 17 and puts you on the street, nobody's going to show up and take care of you. So I think it's important to come out when you feel safe. I heard this from an activist that I love and it was really powerful. She said, come out when you're safe. You don't know what your family's going to, one of my ex-boyfriends, his dad punched him in the face. Yeah. You know, you, there is, there is, there's, you might not be safe. Like, so you, you, it's important to be safe. It's important. And I don't mean to say this because I know people want to hear like a positive, do it, come out. Oh, that's not, no. that's not the truth. It gets better. That whole campaign of it gets better was started by a white gay man. Of course it gets better for him. Like it doesn't get better. Sometimes it gets worse. And then sometimes it gets better. And sometimes it gets way worse. And there are moments where I've pinched me moments where, you know, I'm interviewing someone that I looked up to and I never thought I would ever meet. And there are moments where I'm walking down the street, minding my own business. And someone yells FAG across the, you know, calls me a derogatory name. And I have to live with that. And remember, I always tell people this because some people might see the blue check mark and might see a certain amount of followers. And they're like, Oh, he's a celebrity. He doesn't carry his new feelings. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a real person. I, I'm out there. I'm trying to live my life and I have my own struggles. And when you send something like you're disgusting and fat, it does affect me. It does. It, it gets in there. And so I think for people who come out, you are going to have your family say things like that's a choice, you know, and I had a cousin who said, I love and support you, but it's always going to be a choice for me, what you're doing. And, and I have to carry that. Well, yeah, my friend, my best friend, um, 15 years, his parents are in denial and they think that it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, you really think that your son, who's been playing with Barbie dolls since a kid, has just been choosing this and he's he's literally the cook of the family. Like, he's always loved yeah. being in the kitchen. Literally, cooking is his, he loves it. Like, he that. breathes, you know, and it's like, right. it's just like, who would choose to go through this type of trauma? I mean, just the abuse alone. When you tell yes. me that, when you're when you're telling me the physical and mental abuse, but yet we're gonna say that you're you're Muslim, that's okay. You're gonna judge mm. me, but that's okay for you to mentally, physically, and emotionally abuse your own person that you claim that you love. Oh, so you would love me more if I if I if I accommodated your vision of what perfection and what acceptable exactly. is. It's, exactly. It, it makes me exactly. so sad because, like. Mm -hmm. These people are still beautiful people. They have talents. They have gifts. They're, they they bring different perspectives to the world, and all because of this one very small thing. Only only God can judge. That's number one. But how does it affect your life? That's what I'm saying. And and my sexuality is the least interesting thing about me. I'm a kind person who loves animals, who yes. is like goes out of my way for people. And I think my sexuality is the least interesting thing about me. And I think people there's this idea that like 
when someone is straight, we don't identify them. That is their only marker. But when you're queer, it's like people have these ideas of you wanting to go shopping or or be extra funny or all. Of, and if you are into those things, it's fine. But I think there's a level of when you do come out, there's a marker. I have a friend who like doesn't go to bars, doesn't go out, doesn't go to Pride, works out, lives a very like low key life. That's, and he's gay. Like that, that's fine. Like not everyone has to be like, hey, honey, that's not everyone. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. And, you know, and that's fine. And I, I, for people who are coming out, if you're gay and Muslim, like remember that sometimes people, like I was at a mosque in, in Texas and someone was like, I don't want to pray next to you. And that, and you have to, and you, and listen, I'm not going to get in a belligerent fight with someone at the mosque. I'm going to be like, that's their opinion. Then you should move. I told him, I was like, then you should move. I'm not moving because this yeah. is my place and I'm in a mosque and I'm not going to move. And I think it's also important to dress appropriately where you go. Like when I go to Eid, I dress, I don't wear, and I'm not saying you have to like not be yourself, but I don't wear like a mesh top to prayer. Like yeah. I understand my audience. I don't wear what I wear to the mosque to go out. Like you have to understand your audience. And I think that only comes with age. I'm 34 now. I understand. I'm not... I don't feel like my clothing defines who I am. I don't need to wear a, a, a like a tie-dye rainbow shirt to be gay. Like, and for, I think I know for younger people that can be hard because that's like a marker. But remember that, like, when you go to Eid, one of my friends' um, boyfriends, you know, they just got married, and you know, she looked at me and she she told her boyfriend, she's like, "Do you think the people that are saying hello to you at the at the end of Eid prayer, like hugging you, like if they knew you were queer, would they have a problem?" And I honestly looked at her and I said, "It doesn't matter here. Like, I'm here to pray and say." Eid Mubarak and leave. I don't, these people don't need to know my life. Do I know what they're doing? Do I know, you know, what positions are getting in with their wives? I don't care. So why do they care about what I'm doing? So I, we don't need to discuss it. We're here going Eid Mubarak, like have a nice day. <laughs> because you have to answer to God just like they have to answer to God. It's your own personal relationship. Exactly. With God. Yeah. Exactly. If you've ever wanted a discount on your favorite halal restaurant, Nika and Chill has got you covered. Download All Set app and enter code Nika and Chill to get $5 off your next curbside order. All Set is a pickup only reservation app, so you never wait in line during COVID. And there's many, many food options to choose from. Eat up and enjoy. Jazakallah khair. Um, I have this short little game called Finish the Sentence. Um, first sentence. I only wish this Ummah would. I just wish that they would give people some space. That's all. So if someone wants to mess up their wudu, that's fine. If they want to pray late, if they're not fasting every day Ramadan, just give them some space. I often pray for. I often pray for less denial, right? Like, like just to see what things are. I don't pray for world peace and delusional things like that. I pray for just a moment to like stop being in denial my dream mate is i think my dream mate i i love feeling whether it's a friend or a relationship is secure like someone who's has say i can feel safe with i don't feel safe in a lot of places in the world and i don't feel safe with a lot of people so someone who i can feel safe with. you can't have love without you can't have love without self-love like rupaul says if you can't love yourself you can't love anybody else can I get an amen, right? <laughs> 1,000%. So the real estate. Yeah. I know I'm in a healthy relationship when? I'm in a healthy relationship when I can hit, you know, head to pillow and I can go to sleep. There's no like, what is he doing? Where is he? Let me text him. He read it. He didn't read it. Some of those games that people think makes a healthy relationship or it makes a relationship fun. And I think it's especially in the queer community. There's still, like, there's so many dating apps and people are so all over the place that I think, remember that boring is sometimes healthy. Yeah. Wow. 
that is that's real that's super real yes last but not least i love a lot because um you're gonna make me cry with that question um i love a lot because i think it's i used to spend so much time being like, why was I created this way, right? Why, why, why? I don't like this denial, not wanting to kind of praying the gay away. And there was a moment where I realized I was sitting and I was doing a panel with about a hundred people and I realized, oh my God, this is me talking. I'm not sitting in the audience. I'm the one here and a hundred people showed up to listen to me. And that was when I was like, oh my God, like I was created this way because Allah wanted me to be the, the voice and to create space for people. And whether or not I end up in heaven or hell, it doesn't matter. It matters that I was able to change some people's minds Ooh. along the way. Amir, you're amazing. That actually Thank brought you. Me. Like I'm trying to hold back. That was, that's it. That's it. That's That was the perfect ending. And that, that was exactly all I really wanted. Um,